It's Sunday, October 10th, and you are listening to Peanuts and Popcorn. P&P is a spontaneous podcast between two old friends on baseball and motion pictures. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. This week on Peanuts and Popcorn, Tom and I open with our reactions to the playoffs to this point. Freddie Freeman likes to treat first base as his own front porch, while Luis Rojas and Jace Tingler pay the price for their team's failures. Two players from the permanently ineligible list are in the news this week, one dead, one alive. We'll talk about the Cubs and the Sox, and our popcorn discussion is on the movie that made Albert Finney a star, Tom Jones. Tommy, how are you doing? I'm a few seconds ahead of my time. <laughs> how are you today? I'm all right. It was uh, anniversary weekend for my wife and I, 16th wow. anniversary. 16, Wow. We went out to dinner last night. We we're going to see a movie, but we're just too tired. Too many things going on this weekend. You know, cross-country meets and football games for nephews. And it was just, we were running around. And we just decided to have a little dinner. And you know, not not to kind of bring up a negative, but how's the uh, remodeling projects coming along? Brutal. <laughs> um, we're going to get the cabinets in, I think, this week. Oh, that's good. Which at least allows us to put some dishes and things away because right. right now they're just occupying our dining room. Right. Uh, but then we, we, but we're not going to get the counters for another maybe three, three weeks. And, and there's still, you know, are they over in Italy still? Yeah, they're over in Italy. Right. Right. They're just chiseling the marble, you know, right now as we speak. <laughs> and then, uh, but then we also, the, the other issue is, you know, we've got the refrigerator, we've got the stove, we'll be getting them. And uh, we've got the dishwasher, but we don't have the vent. And the vent for the stove, from what I understand, is important to put in as soon as possible. But yeah, you. yeah, for your long-term health, it's, yes, it's very for important. Long-term health, it is very important. <laughs> so, you know, so that's that's kind of what's going on here. But uh, but we're, other than that, I guess we're all doing okay. But well, I got to be honest. Uh, this morning, I'm a little tired because I stayed up last night to watch the heavyweight championship fight between. Uh, Tyson Fury and uh, Mr. Wilder. I can't think of his first name. Um, I've always Gene Wilder? I, was it Gene Wilder? It Tom? was Gene Wilder. Yes. <laughs> I'm wet. I'm hysterical and I'm wet. Uh, yes. Uh, no, it wasn't Gene Wilder. Um, the reason why I bring this up is because I, I was a huge fight fan growing up. I grew up kind of in the golden era of boxing with Muhammad Ali. Grew up in Detroit, a few weeks or a few blocks away from where Tommy Hearns grew up. Um, and so boxing over the last 15 years or so have, has not really had any great marquee matchups. Well, no. you know, it, it's just far and few in between. Well, last night was the third matchup rematch, I should say, between Fury and Wilder for the heavyweight title of the world. Wow. And it lived up to its billing. This was one of the great fights of all time. Both fighters were knocked down a couple of different times uh, at any moment you thought, well, either one of these guys could just get knocked out cold. Whenever, whenever you have a fight like that, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Hagler and Hearns back in the eighties where they just were at each other, the entire fight, kind of the same thing. And then Fury finally knocked out Wilder in the 11th round. I think I had it 107, 102 for Fury um, uh, anyways, but it, it just, so I wanted to bring that up because in the old days, a heavyweight fight, People would come from miles around, everybody's radios, and people would be betting and all this stuff. And it's really kind of, um, it's lost. It's just, it doesn't exist anymore. So, it well, it seemed to have existed for, for one moment last night. And yeah, I really, yeah. you know, I loved, uh, 
I, I loved I used, what this kind of reminded me of was that time way back in the 90s when we all gathered at your house yeah. to watch Mike Tyson fight Evander Holyfield. You'd yeah. gotten it on pay-per-view and right, right, right. Raw. That was a big, big fight-related moment. Yeah. And it seemed like for a little while the world was really focused on this fight. Yeah. And this is these are two big, big guys. Behemoths, 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 and you know there really isn't the sense that one guy was better than the other. That it was a sure thing that one guy would win. You yeah. know what I mean? It was it was up for grabs. Well, Wilder definitely has the more chiseled physique. Just on the face of it, um, Fury, who's six foot nine, two hundred and seventy three pounds, um, and looks actually heavier. I'll be honest with you, um, kind of flabby. To, uh, yeah. You know, throughout the whole fight, the the one thing that the six, nine fighter did it versus the six, seven fighter was to try to tie him up like a glove, as far as like holding his arm, anything that he could do to push down on his shoulder. So that obviously at the end of the fight, Wilder would be a little bit more wore down. And that's exactly what happened. Um, so this was a great fight. If you, if you get a chance to see the highlights, uh, check it out because, uh, Fury uh, retained his title, and I wouldn't be surprised if there was a fourth fight. These guys yeah. just, oh yeah, there it's just, there's nothing else going on in the boxing world. This is the place where major is made, where every moment balances on the ledge of immortality, but only one team takes the crown. Choose your champion. And welcome to the Pew Generation Rises Let it fly. with their own set of rules where cities stick together. Many voices become one. In a moment, any moment, make it major. Well, let's begin with the playoffs. Uh, the playoffs. Playoffs. Start, the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. And I want to start with the wild card games. And they were, you know, these are two single elimination games, one in the yeah. National League, one in the American League. We'll start with the Dodgers and the Cardinals. Um, close game. The Dodgers end up winning three to one on a walk-off home run. The Cardinals got the early lead and, you know, they're flashing that statistic about how the Cardinals are so good when they score first <laughs> and Wainwright, you know, pitched courageously. Right. I was really pulling for the Cardinals here, but it just didn't work out. I wasn't pulling for the Cardinals. I would have thought it would have been a tragedy if the Dodgers would have lost with those 106 wins. I know you hate them, but it's just something's I mean, a little out of whack when a team at 106 is, is fighting for chump change outside of the stadium. Cause that's really what, that's really what, the, what this is. And, and it's just interesting to me that in both of these games, and we'll talk about the Yankees in a second, the two losers had the lowest run differential in, in, in all of the playoffs, both of these teams. So uh, however, the Cardinals almost won this game, this game, this game was a nail biter. And uh, like I said, I felt bad for the Dodgers all along the way, but I felt also redeemed that the world was still on its axis when, uh, when the Dodgers um, prevailed at the end of that game. They, they, they may have to, I mean, rethink about restructuring these playoffs. So something like this doesn't happen. But uh, but it is interesting, and, and or or what it does maybe the rule is is the if that it forces the weakest record team into that that playoff game. 
you know, that because to me, that seems more just 106 wins and and you're you're fighting for chump change. I mean, really? <laughs> but then, I mean, in, in, they're going to have to restructure. Yeah, right. And, right. And I don't, my, my head explodes at the thought right. of the different things. That's, that that's a whole do. show we could do next year <laughs> that no yeah. one wants to listen to. But anyways. But then how about the Yankees? You know, yeah, they right. go down to the Red Sox. They go they go to Fenway Park and everybody's whispering about 1978 and you know, uh, Bucky fucking Dent and so on and so <laughs> forth. But it's really Garrett fucking Cole right. really couldn't get it done and hold off the Red Sox offense. I, I think Bucky Dent was actually at the game. They interviewed him before the game. Yeah. And so maybe he cursed him. I don't know. Um, but, but I that, also thought what was interesting about that game is we had two former Cubs leading off for their respective teams. Yeah, right, you know, right. Well, well, there's Cubs throughout the playoffs. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, Baez, you might want to take a note of that. All, all of your compadres are in the playoffs, except you. Except uh, you. Well, if he resigns with the Mets, he can talk it over with his new manager. But, so. I, but I just wanted to kind of talk briefly about the Yankees. And I think that, that the it's basically been determined that – you can't live on Judge and Stanton alone. They 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 have they have a they have a problem with that team that could result in Cashman being fired, probably will result in Boone being fired. I mean, basically everything I'm reading is that he's really on a slippery slope uh, as far as staying as the manager of the team. But I think that the that it's not really his issue. It's more Cashman's issues based on. The, he's the architect of that team is what he's built is really not a team that's made for the playoffs because it's proven time and time again, whether it's in short series or even in a one game playoff that they're not built um, against the best teams in the league. They're, they're just not. Well, you know, if you look at them, their body types are sort of, they're like a beer league softball team. Correct. correct. All these big, big, strong guys. Right. They certainly look intimidating, but you know, and they can slug and hit home runs, but are they good baseball players? And the answer is maybe not as good as Brian Cashman seems to think. They, they spent a lot of money on Garrett Cole, and Garrett Cole was a huge disappointment in that game. Huge. Yeah. When, you, when you're spending hundreds of millions of dollars on a pitcher, at the very least, you would expect a quality start. And at least I would. So if I was the, the the owners of the Yankees, I guess I would just be shaking my head at all the money that I've spent and what my return has been. But it's interesting, like once the gorilla grip kind of, you know, <laughs> went to the wayside, once the foreign substances were banned, Cole yeah. was sort of, he was okay. He right, was, right. This is changing pitchers. I'm noticing that as well. It's changing the great pitchers, certainly. Yeah, that's right. right. And, and now we're seeing some other guys kind of come in. Right. So, but uh, but looking around at some of the other series, yeah. um, we the 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 Astros are ahead of the White Sox 2-0. and we'll talk about that in the White yeah. Sox segment. But uh, but but it's the the Red Sox and the Rays are tied at one. Right. And you know that looks like it's going to be a really really good series. So a bizarre game that game was. That yeah. you know they that this is a game that the Rays hit a grand slam in the first inning yeah. and lost. They lost the game. Yeah, that's never yeah. happened before. That's no. never, ever happened before in the history of the playoffs, or at least as long as Mr. Stark long has been, been tracking. As long as there's been a yeah. World Series. Yeah. Right. Never so happened. it's, you know, again, the, the wild and the weird are already starting to kind of creep up. Uh, it, it, so um, the, the one thing that I, that I thought uh, that's not really getting talked about, the series that's kind of getting dissed, if you will, is Atlanta and Milwaukee. 
Yeah, um, they're quietly playing a, a really competitive series. I've watched. Fortunately for me, I've seen almost all of the playoff games, which is great. Uh, is I'm, I'm I'm in very happy, blissful times in these COVID days. Um, but I think that you might want to tune into Milwaukee, Atlanta, because they're they're fighting their asses off, and it doesn't. Where some of the other series kind of appear, it appears evident to me who's going to win. This one does not. I really couldn't tell you. If push comes to shove, uh, it could be the Brewers, but it certainly could be the Braves. You would think that the Brewers pitching would ultimately win out here, but you don't know. You, you really don't know. Um, and then, of course, the Dodgers and the Giants is I think it's going to be everything everyone thinks it's going to be when you have yeah. baseball's two best teams going at it. And it's I think this could go seven games. Well, this is the first time, you know, they've played each other in I know. since the 1890s or something yeah. like that. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and of course, they're in the same division and they were always in the same league. So they it was hard for them right, to exactly. match up. Yeah. But but it's it's certainly the playoff matchup that everybody wants. The problem with me, it's all on the way on the West Coast. And yeah, it's, it's at eleven o'clock. Stay awake to see it. Me too, man. But uh, my brother-in-law is a big Giants fan, so I, I'm and I, you know, I have tremendous, deep rooted hatreds for the Dodgers. <laughs> so you know, I'm and plus, I mean, the Cub. The, the, there's a former Cub, Chris Bryant, who somebody I really admire and appreciate. Yeah, right. Sort of uh, pulling it, pulling the pulling the rope for the Giants. So, so the guy that got the guy that got hoodwinked by uh, the great Greg Maddox in that the, that phenomenal YouTube video. Phenomenal YouTube video, and look it up <laughs> if you haven't seen it. Where where Greg Maddox posing as the sound guy in a commercial, uh, and, and that's all you need to know. Yeah. So, but uh, but just go Chris Bryant sound guy and and it'll yeah, come right exactly. Up. But uh, but you know I, I the the Dodgers tied the series last night at one and they won nine to two. Yeah. And they're looking every bit as good as as advertised. So that'll yeah. be a great series. So but 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 I love how the Brewers and the Braves are. You know, it's all about pitching and defense. It is yep. an old school matchup. Correct. I love it. I really two, do. Two really good managers, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Hey, did you see the double play that uh, that Brandon Crawford and Tommy Lastella? Lastella. Lastella. <laughs> I swear on the souls of my grandchildren. No, uh, the thing the thing is is that uh, first of all, you if you're a baseball fan, they showed it ad nauseum. That's the one thing. You've seen about it. it if you want, yeah, right. Yeah, and it's a great double play that to me it was all about Lastella. That you had to come that, to the shortstop side. That, of that's right. Day. That's right. Um, you know. This has every um, – I think this is going to be a great playoffs um, season. These games have been great. And, that, and you know, the Giants really are good, I guess is they what I'm good. trying to say. You People yeah. that are like, hey, they were worse to first and all this stuff, they really are good. This is not – a this is a legitimate 107-win team. <laughs> and as long as they keep taking their Geritol, I think they have a chance. So exactly. they're good, but they're old. Yeah. They're really old. You know, but uh, but 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 I, but again, Tommy Lastella, former Cub, get it done. <laughs> you know, so but uh, but there's a player in the uh, Braves Brewers series who yeah. uh, has kind of been sort of interesting. And you shared an article with me from the New York Times about how uh, Freddie Freeman of the Braves kind of treats first base as his own sort of personal uh, front porch, and he's yeah, very right. very talkative. Yeah, runners get to first. He's a, he's an affable gent. He really is. And, you know, if somebody gets a hit, he's always like, oh, what a great job. Great job, man. He's really positive. Right, right, and, right. 
And there is, I, I, yeah. I, I just keep thinking of Kirk Gibson, yeah. uh, the great Tiger, going to first and saying, "Just shut the fuck up." Shut the fuck, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because you know, those those old style players did not fraternize with the. Uh, remember no. Bob Gibson? Bob no, Gibson, Bob, yeah, yeah. He, he would never even talk to you. You could talk to him, and he would not even respond. It'd be like dead air. Like, he hated. Okay. He hated like if if he didn't want to eat with his, you know, like he, he might've had friends on the other team guys. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Played with him, Correct. former teammates. And he didn't want anything to do with them. That's right. He didn't want them getting in his head, anything like that. And, and it, you know, I have to admire and respect that to a certain degree, but I also enjoy a little playful fraternization. I think well, it's kind well, of, I also, I think that there's something potentially sinister in Freeman's niceness. It, 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 you know, it's almost a Columbo like approach yeah. and, and it's hard to hate the guy when he's literally, you know, effusive in his praise every time you get a hit. Um, but I just think it's, I just keep thinking of Kirk Gibson, like, who would have like a spiked him if he could have, you know, he was like a Ty Cobb, one of those old throwback guys. Can you imagine Ty Cobb having know, to say to Ty Cobb? Yeah. Hey, Ty, great job. Before you shot that guy, Ty, tell me about, you know. If, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So, no, it would be, yeah, it was a different time. It was a different right, time. Right. And it was easier to hate people back then. Yeah. You know, but, uh, but now I want to. I want to talk about uh, two firings that happened. Uh, right. Some heads rolled out of some front offices. I was reminded of the movie that we saw this week that uh, yeah. also had an execution scene at the end. But uh, <laughs> but we'll begin with with uh, the Padres firing Jace Tingler, and uh, you know this team really fell short of, of its lofty aspirations. And uh, they said, "Well, it was your fault," and they got rid of him. So this is that fair. Yeah, it's fair. This team just finished within a game or two of the Tigers this year. So to put it in perspective, yeah, the the Padres were so heralded at the beginning of the season um, and they spent so much money for the Padres. The Padres never had a hundred and seventy five million dollar annual, you know, uh, salary deal. And and so the expectations were that they were not going to a falter like they did if you look at the season as an arc i mean their downfall began long before the last month of the season they they struggled mightily basically after may uh, yeah. of this year and when you look at the team top to bottom i know there's was injuries to the pitching staff and the pitching staff underperformed let's be honest it still is a disappointment and the manager who by the way i'm just going to go throw it out there i have to constantly look at it to say what's this guy's name again oh it's yeah. jace tingler Jace Tingler. It, yeah. it, it, it sounds, it sounds this like close something. to naming is, our son Jace. You know? it, well, not just that. It's like a name out of a Dashiell Hammett novel. <laughs> so if you ever get a dog to replace the dude, will you name him Jace? No, I mean, no, we will not. His name is going to be Rollo. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, I feel bad for Jace, but I also... And and the thing is, like, Jace apparently is, like, best friends with the GM, and they've been friends since they were kids. Those are always tough decisions that you have to make. Um, but it was legitimate. The one that, that, that I'm saddened more so is, is the Louis Rojas one in, yeah, the, in New York, that, because I kind of feel like he didn't get a fair shake here. Yeah. And, I, and, and if either of these managers are to reemerge, I would presume it might be Rojas, who was a career baseball guy. Um, and um, I just felt just I just feel bad. I know Cohen felt bad about it, too. He took to Twitter to uh, praise uh, Rojas. 
even though it had to be done. I mean, the, the GM has to go. They have what Cohen needs to do is to hand a fresh set of keys to a, a to a new baseball guy and let him rebuild rebuild the Mets. Well, you know, he had talked to Epstein, Theo Epstein, and they both sort of said that it wouldn't be the best fit at this time. time. At, yeah, at this time, at this right. time. We'll see what happens, but but he needs to bring in some some fair-minded baseball people who really understand what they're doing. And, and not to say that Rojas isn't that type of person. Um, you know, he certainly grew up managing a lot of these players who are at the major league level as they came up through the minor leagues. You know, and, and the problem with Rojas is he was hired by a regime that was completely disgraced, you know, by the Brody Van Wiegenen and all these other ridiculous GMs and presidents of baseball operations who who oversaw this era of, of corruption and sexual harassment and all this other stuff. And even though Rojas wasn't doing any of that stuff, he's connected by association. And for that reason, he had to go. And, and perhaps if Tony La Russa decides to retire after this season, the White Sox may want to think about making him their next manager. You know, that's actually a very good point. Um, uh, but it just, to me, continues to underscore, you know, prior to this, to the last uh, regime of the Mets, the one previous to that are the ones that lost half of the Mets' fortunes to Bernie Madoff, you if know. you remember. I mean, the Mets yeah. have been a mess for, for 25 years. I mean, and even though they've had a couple of really good teams within that period of time, they've, they've, it's just a, it's a, I wonder if Epstein, who's constant, is very interested in his legacy, trust me when I tell you, if he said, I'm assessing this and I don't see an easy World Series here, and, and it could be something, you know, why it wasn't a good fit, it makes me scratch my head. Because Epstein is definitely the Cinderella of baseball that everybody wants. And he, you know, he, and he knows that and he's playing it for what it's worth. You know, who knows? Maybe he'll end up at the Yankees. Who, who knows? I, I seriously think that he will not take on another project like that because he knows the kind of work, you know, that it takes. Yeah. But if you're close, if you're a couple pieces away, it's, it's enticing to think that you could, you know, and obviously he's he's very um, well thought of in the baseball world. People do business with him and continue to do business with him, and that's a key because there are some GMs. It appears as though you get shut out every year um, when it comes to deals. So, uh, I, you know, I, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Epstein because I guess he's like man, he's baseball's man about town right now. Like they've got him working on a lot of special projects, but yeah. And, and he still has a role to play, I think in baseball. Exactly. Exactly. So, so out on the West coast, um, I think uh, Trevor Bauer has filed a countersuit against his accuser yeah. demanding that she pay his legal fees. Yeah. And uh, I know a little something about that. Actually, my family's involved in a lawsuit in Argentina mm -hmm. and uh, it's a countersuit to a previous one. And if we win, we're demanding that they, the other side pay the legal fees. I don't know if we'll ever get the money or what'll happen, but, right. but the point is, is that, uh, is, is Bauer right to do this? Well, first of all, this is a standard procedure. This is yeah. not, this is not, you know, people are like, Oh, he's being vindictive. No, he's not. He's just covering his own ass. And let's, you know, give, let, I don't, even though I believe there is some smoke and maybe some fire in this case here, um, what if he's not guilty? And if he's not guilty, he's 100% right. She should pay for everything. I agree with all of those positions. What, what I don't 
understand is, and I can't agree with, is there's been more than one example of this, Trevor. And that's the problem that you have. Maybe she did exactly. And, and when I look at this woman's complaint, I can't get past the fact that you've met him a second time after what he did to you the first time. Really? Right, right, that right. is bizarre. I've never known any woman that was was truly victimized that would show up back at the guy's house. That's just, that's a quantum leap of, of faith for me. So, 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 but there's other cases. The problem, Trevor, is that if this was isolated, I think you could dismiss it, but you can't because it's not isolated. Will he pitch next season? I'm going to say yes, because he can pitch. Yeah. I hate to say he's it. He's eligible but, but to pitch and he can pitch and he's able to pitch and <laughs> baseball will find a way to, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, tag him somehow, but let him do his job. I think. I, I, I mean, there's so many teams out there that really could use a guy like Bauer. I mean, yeah. you look at the Padres, you look at the White Sox. Right. I mean, how I mean, they all could use a rapist. You're right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, I kid. But but you're but you said I mean if he's eligible to pitch right probably it, it's pitch. a business and I think it's not they're not in the morality business which has been proven over and over again in baseball <laughs> exactly, uh, exactly. so there'd be no reason for him not to um, however I do think like what you said originally if he is found guilty he's done he's he's out of baseball yeah, he'll he'll, he'll, he'll they'll blackball him so but but I don't think he'll be found there's just I mean it is a it is a really sort of sad case to sort of go through and you, it's sorted, you know what I mean? But yeah. it's also, well, I mean, is there criminal behavior here? Right. Right. Probably not, you know, but I don't want to, but they've you. all but blackballed him from baseball. And speaking of blackballed, yeah. Joe, Jack, Joe Jackson, shoeless Joe Jackson, who I believe belongs in the Hall of Fame, but that's another discussion. Um, there was a photograph of him that he autographed this week, a photograph, I think from 1911 that sold for $1.47 million. A million. Now, that, Tom, that was a lot of money you paid. I got it. <laughs> no, hey, I, I mean, did you write a check or did you have to get briefcases full of cash? Or I, I used Jeffrey dollars that, that <laughs> had left over from uh, Toys R Us. No, um, it, the, you included this, but this really intrigued me of why somebody would spend this kind of money for, for this particular artifact. And, and, one you know, a million and a half dollars for for a photograph it's a picture you know and and it even granted jackson signed it um but still it, it just seems like wow really there's really nothing though there's no visual record really of him there's very few right, photographs correct, correct. and something that that a photograph of him that he autographed i think should, should be worth that kind of money I, I i don't have that kind of money i wouldn't pay that kind of money for it and no, i also no. don't agree that he should be in the hall of fame no i know you don't i know you don't but that's he the beauty took of money our show. from gamblers he admitted in court in a deposition that he held up in critical moments yes yeah. he had a high batting average yeah. but if these hits don't come if they don't mean anything i'm sorry i i, I just you know, it's not a good look. And and this brings us to the next player on the ineligible list. Speaking of not who, good, speaking of not good looks. Yeah, exactly. I like the Gucci tennis shoes that Mr. Rose was wearing in the photograph. You know, and, and we could say that if Jackson had been allowed to play his full career, he probably would have been a Hall of Fame level ball player. And 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 Pete Rose certainly should have been a Hall of Fame ball player, except that he it was proven that he bet on baseball, which is strictly against the rules. Yeah. And uh, he paid the ultimate price for it. So what does he do now? 
he's opening up a podcast. He's launching a podcast yeah. where he's going to provide. Which, uh, by the way, he will never get the listenership that we currently enjoy. <laughs> but go ahead. Pete Rose, you're up against peanuts and popcorn. Yeah. Good Pete luck. Pete Rose, Good you luck. Know, you're, you're a 220 hitter. So, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I mean, good for him. I hope his name gets him a little notoriety, but honestly, I'm so done with this man. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's an attention whore. And, and I'm going to just, again, disagree with you. Rose is going to go into the hall, but he gets to go in the year after he dies. He never, I, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't care. I really I, don't. I guess the point I'm trying to make, and it ties into to Joe Jackson is, that maybe they need to have like a um, a felon wing or a flawed player wing of the of the Hall of Fame, so that ultimately hundreds of years from now, all of these guys that were great, even though that they were flawed individuals, are recognized. But so, there are artifacts that. Belong. By the way, Pete Rose is not betting; he's handicapping. Oh, right. if, if you right. read the article, he, he he had to correct the the author like twice. No, no, no. This is handicapping i'm not betting on the games i'm just talking about what the bets are on the games while well, he's living in las vegas correct yeah. correct <laughs> wearing gucci tennis shoes too by the way it's it, it looks he looks terrible and the other thing too is it does reach a certain point when a man gets to be 70 stop coloring your hair it's not a good look I, I, you look like you look like those old where they used to dress up horses. They would put like lipstick on horses. That's what it looks like. It looks ridiculous. And Rose, you, you're just a you're like I, a cartoon of a of a guy of a guy that used to be a great baseball player. And one of them really did. And, and he was part of great baseball teams, teams that that were a big part of my youth, having yeah. grown up in Cincinnati. I once met Pete Rose coming out of a Bob Evans in Cincinnati, Ohio, on oh. opening day. He was yeah. on his way to the ballpark. He just had breakfast. And you know what I mean? It, I liked him when I was a kid. But let me tell you, the, the, the more you get to know him, the less you like. He is not a likable person in any regard. Neither was Ty Cobb. I mean, baseball's full of them, if you ask me. But uh, That's right. That's right. And I don't really have to care about what happens to them. You and, know? and obviously you don't, it's, which is interesting, because I know that you have, we have some listeners to the show that are from Cincinnati that do care about Pete Rose. So Great. Good, whatever. Have him over to dinner. Who gives a shit? I'm just, I mean, he doesn't get an invitation to my house. I'm sorry. Well, he speaks highly of you. I just wanted well, to throw that out. <laughs> but 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 now now let's uh discuss the, the Chicago Cubs. And you know, the Cubs are really just their season wasn't it didn't end as well as we had hoped or maybe <laughs> expected. An understatement for Mr. Fontana. Fourth place in the in the National League Central, right. uh, but they did actually for a short time they did compete. They were right at first place, tied with the Brewers. They'd won eight or nine in a row. They they'd finished that long winning streak with a with a combined no hitter that nobody saw out on the West Coast. Yeah, you know, yeah. but then from there it literally they just fell. That was the cliff. They went right off of it. And they had two different, I think, 11 or 12 game losing streaks. So from that point on, it was brutal. Well, there, there was two, there's really two seasons in, in, yeah. in contrast. You have the before the, the going to jail sale and then after the going to jail sale where they basically dismantled the team. And then after the all-star game and after, specifically after that trade, their ERA was six, oh, six, six, five. Um, they're hitting, by the way, kept pace with, here's the interesting thing and we've covered off on this if they would have made those trades at the beginning of the year 
Yeah. The Cubs offense wouldn't have changed one iota. In fact, they, they showed the model and the runs were like within 10 runs of, of what Rizzo and Bryant and those guys would have done if they would have stayed on the team. The issue was pitching. The, the, the pitching besides Hendricks and even Hendricks, which we've identified, um, it struggled a little bit because guess what happens? You start getting this losing mentality and every, it, it's, it's like a cancer on a team. I think going forward, though, Tom, you better check your almanac yeah. for next year because this past year, it was a hot and dry summer. Yeah. The wind blew out a lot, and offensive numbers for that team were up. Yeah. And I think when you evaluate players going forward, you and I know after watching you know decades yeah. of baseball at that park, the wind blows in a hell of a lot more than it blows out. And, you know, all I can tell you is that every one of those games that you're referencing was there was an opponent that won those games. And in and, and most instances, it wasn't the Cubs. So nope, the, right. the, rule, the rules are fair for everybody. Sure. And, um, it, it's it's it, but know, I wouldn't I wouldn't count on that offensive output next season is what I'm saying. Oh, in, oh, in reference to the replacements, I see what you're yeah. saying. It, that very, look, when you bring up that many 30 year olds to test out. I know what you're doing. You're, you're, you're basically, you know, deciding maybe there's two of these 10 that we're going to keep. That's what you're, you're playing a little game of who's going to be part of the future. And, and I would agree with you that the majority of these players were, are not part of the next playoff run of the Cubs and Hoyer, you know, he is, and here's the other thing too. I, I, they, they fired uh, uh, their hitting coach. Anthony uh, Iaposi. Iaposi. And yeah. uh, Mike Borzello, who's kind of like coach. their strategy. I don't know if he's the bench coach. Or I'm with the team a long time. Yeah. So, yeah. so these are two, you know, Hoyer is, is, is kind of positioning himself um, to ultimately get fired or he's going to be the executive of the year. That's what I think is going to happen here. So the next three months are critical. And by the time we have our hot stove league, I think um, we'll, we'll have a we'll, new GM. We'll have a whole new staff. And coach. we'll have another, we'll have a huge blue chip player that, that, that he signed for a, a pitcher specifically. And he will be a pitcher. And I'm going to make a pred prediction. Yeah. Robbie Ray is who they're going to go out and get. That's who they'll. It, it could be, it, it could be, I, I, you know, there, there's, there's a couple of good ones out there. It, it's, it's hard to say. Um, but uh, I just think that, you know, it, with with uh, with Hoyer firing Anthony Iaposi and Mike Borzello, I'm glad he was able to figure out what was wrong with the team. <laughs> that's all. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. I just well, replace these guys and we'll be fine. He was know? very reflective for like 10 minutes. Um, Borzello is a Hall of Fame level coach. Yeah, he really right. is. Right. He was with all those great Yankees teams. He was with the Cubs when they won the World Series. He's very much like he's very good at like scouting opposing uh, lineups and figuring out how to pitch to them. So we'll miss it. There's also, there's almost like a method to baseball in the sense that when you fail, the, the, every, the GM pushes everything down. And ultimately if the, if the manager is, is retained, oftentimes they make you fire the coaches to make some kind of statement like, okay, we're going to be better as hitters next year. We're going to be better as pitchers because we got this hot new pitching coach even though it's really the manager all along and it's the GM all along, it's actually the president all along when it's all said and done. Um, and so it's uh, an object lesson. 
You know yeah, what I mean? That's it, right. That's it, right. It's not like, hey, you know, we're serious about this. And that's right. We're going to bring in people who we think will do the job. I, I'm not. Con- I will be convinced by the next time, you know, by the end of the season, by when we have our very first episode of next year, I'll I will be able to know exactly how the 2022 team is going to lay out, I think. Because if they're not aggressive, then you're—I—I I think you're telling us something. And and because you're not, you're, Hoyer's not a forthright guy. You got to read between the lines. Everything's the Godfather with this guy. And no, he's not like Epstein, who's a little more forthright. Right. But the Cubs have deep pockets. They could very easily bring in big name free agents, and they could be relevant very, very quickly. So we'll see what happens. Jason but, Hayward, I got two words for you, Jason, Jason Hayward. Hayward. That that salary is going to be an albatross. Uh, next year uh, is next year the last year i i don't think he may even have two more years wow and 22 million a year are you serious that's that's a huge problem for them i mean he's a great guy by all accounts you know he's the anti uh he's the anti pete rose but uh but the problem is that he's also the anti pete rose in his lack of offense so you know but uh but but we'll talk about the white Sox. we'll move to the other side of town and uh, the White Sox, by in, in, in a contrast, are in the playoffs. Yeah. They win their division, the American League Central, but they are behind 0-2 to the Houston Asterix in this first-round uh, divisional playoff series. And the media here is killing Tony La Russa for not putting this guy in the lineup or batting Robert fifth instead of second and blah, right. blah, 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 not using, uh, what's his name, Kopech, you know, when they should have in the first game. Yeah, but yeah. I, and they're they're really killing him. I don't think that's particularly fair. I just think the Astros are a better team. Yeah, basically what we said. But the the I I just vision envision the White Sox organization inside this gigantic uh, you know pot over a fire that's getting very very hot. Um, and I think their season could very well end today. Sadly for them, but we did predict it. One of the there's a, there's two things that are plaguing the Sox big time that we talked about and is still true. A, you got to be able to beat over 500 teams, and this is yeah. one of the better over 500 teams. And oh, by the way, this is a team you struggled with all year. You were two and five, and you didn't win those two games until they had won their five pretty yeah. demonstratively. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's happening um, again here. Um, in the playoffs, but it's really showing to me one glaring problem with the Sox, and that is they need a catcher. They need a Molina-type catcher to A, handle that pitching staff, but B, to defensively protect that plate because Grandel is a great hitter, but he needs to be a DH somewhere because too many pass balls. There was, I've, I've, I've seen both of the White Sox games in their entirety, and I will tell you that there was too many times where it's like, dude, you got to stop that pitch. Molina stops that pitch, and, and you can't stop it. And or your Trevor decision-making decision behind the plate is god-awful. And the one thing that I've noticed over time, and again, not to use the Dow of Sparky, but I always kind of go back to that, that inside the field, there's this diamond. It's the center fielder, the shortstop, the second baseman, and the catcher. You have to have a great diamond. All of the great championship teams have that great diamond. And the anchor of that diamond is a catcher. You have to have a catcher. It, it Come playoff time, look at the greatest teams of all time. They all have had great backstops right up the middle. And, and, they, and yeah. this team, it, it doesn't have it. They have a no, no face position at, at, at catcher. And I think it hurts them mightily. And, and, you know, there's just too many times when this group of hitters 
have, have gotten to this stage and all of a sudden they've forgotten their bats at home. You guys yeah. got to bring your bats today. You guys need to kick their ass. You cannot win a three to two game. You need to beat them. And then and you can sure. plant. Yeah. Right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. This is beyond your backs are against the wall. The plane has hit the side of the mountain all year long. You know, and I don't want to be too critical because, you know, I like the White Sox. I want them to win. I don't like the asterisks. And, uh, you know, but I also have to be objective. And all year long, we saw them beat up on terrible teams and struggle with good teams. And, you know, it, it, that's a problem. Another problem is guys like Grandal and Jimenez are liabilities with the glove. They're not good on defense. And I don't know how, you know, there's only one slot for a DH. That's right. That's so right. There's only one. So, you know, that's a problem. And, and, and another thing that people aren't talking about is that the White Sox pitching staff has the highest average velocity velocity for fastballs all year long. Yeah. The Houston Astros are the best fastball hitting team in the majors. They hit the bat fastball better than anybody, and they showed that in the first two games. And they need to get some diversity in their pitching staff. You know, there's it's just I don't know. Either, well, they need to get Rodon back to where he was in the first half, and I don't know if that'll ever happen again. You know, uh, it, so it, what what's scary is is that is later today tonight actually Dylan Cease is going to pitch for the Sox. Yeah, in his two games against Houston this year, he lost ten to two and seven to one. So I'm just saying, <laughs> uh, yeah. it could be over tonight. I, it could I, be over know. very quickly, but it'll be a fun time. You know, they'll have that blackout thing going where everybody's going to be wearing black and maybe they can get some magic going. Yeah, and win a game or two and, and salvage some, some respect because I think if you go back to the beginning of the season, neither of us thought that the Sox would win the World Series I, both of us, I think, took the Dodgers, um, uh, which makes sense based on what had just happened and what we had witnessed. Um, the Sox have a great future, but I think that there's I, – I, I would try to sit down Tony La Russa and say, hey, man, let's just part ways here and have him go get a Gabe Kapler type of manager that will be like a young uh, George Sparky Anderson um, that will guide them to, 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 to titles. The only way that happens, there's two ways that happens. Actually, there's two ways. One is that the White Sox go all the way and win it all and win the World Series, and then Larusa would retire. Or if Larusa finally says, you know what, it's just too much of a grind. I'm too tired. I can't yeah. do it. I don't have the energy I used to have. Right. If he says that, that's the only way it'll happen. But but I think as long as he wants to continue doing it, Ryan Storr's going to let him. And this is a team with a lot of questions going forward. You say, and a lot of Sox fans say, that this team is going to be great for a long time. I don't know about that. Well, right. Well, in, in today's baseball, what does that mean? Two years? Yeah, I mean, the most? <laughs> they, they were buoyed by a great start by your mean Mercedes. And, you know, and Tim Anderson and O'Brien were really good. And Rodon and, and Lynn were great in the first half. But Rodon, pitched out, of his, division, Rodon pitched out of his ass at the beginning. He did. Of he did. And, but the rest of their division was completely uninterested in competing for that division. You know, what if the Indians are good next year? What if the Royals are good? What if the Rangers, what if not the Rangers, but what if the Twins are good? Right. I mean, it, it, it's not, the future is not certain, especially if they, they're, they're not going to re-sign Rodon. And then yeah, where does right. that leave their pitching staff? They still have Dallas Keuchel. Right, right. I, who's, not, who's not on the playoff roster. I thought, that, yeah. I thought that was kind of odd. 
because it's Houston that sometimes you can get a redemption type of a, a, a performance out of a player like that. But, but you're right. The, uh, they're, they're outmanned. I'm sorry. In this particular series, the, the, the Astros are clearly the better team. Now, unless it comes out that they're cheating and getting signed, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which, what, which honestly, Crazy, crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened. I I'll bet you they're doing it without, Maybe they're doing it without Baker's knowledge. Who knows? But 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 I, you know. I doubt it. But you know, you talk about you pose the question. Uh, you know, Cease is pitching tonight. If you could pitch one or pick one White Sox hurler over time to make this start, who would it be? Because well, there's a lot to choose from. You yeah. know, there's Britt Burns. Yeah. There's John yeah. Garland. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. You yep. could go all the way back to Eddie Seacott. Right. It comes down to two pitchers, though. Okay. Lamar Hoyt from 1983, yeah. who, who oh, yeah. walked like three hitters the whole season. Like <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. he walked nobody ever. You yeah. were not getting on base but via walk or Mark Burley, only because Bar- Burley would give us a Maddox, the closest. Yeah, yeah. They'll give us two hours and we're, boom, we're at the bar. That's why I like Burley. But I, I'm going to go it, all the way back to the 50s and I'm going to get Billy Pierce. Yeah, Billy yeah. Pierce is probably, you know, the best White Sox pitcher in their history. You know, but Mark Burley, I love the Burley pick. I, yeah. I love that because he's capable of going out and throwing a two-hit shutout in, in 87 pitches. And, you know. You were too young of a pup to remember Lamar Hoyt. But let me tell you, the season, I remember he, Lamar. The season he won the Cy Young, he was unhittable. Because yeah. I was I, I grew up in Detroit, and I remember going, oh, we cannot, we cannot get on base against this guy. Absolutely impossible. We can't get Jack McDowell. We can't yeah. get him back. Yeah, I, mean, I thought of him too. I, I literally went down the list of all the pitchers, but I thought if I had one ball, I probably would give it to Hoyt based on his 83 season. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, now, did you hear about what Jim Cott said? Who was a uh, contemporary of Lamar Hoyt. Yes, he was. He was. And he's doing the broadcast on FS Fox Sports 2 or 1 or whatever. Yeah. On the and, KKK uh, network. <laughs> and he made kind of an insensitive remark about Yohan Makata because he was batting. And if you've ever seen Makata, I mean, he's just cut, yeah. big shoulders, great chest, yeah. body. I'm getting a little excited here talking yeah. about him. Yeah. But but he said something to the effect that, oh, give me 40, give me an acre and with give me an acre of land and 40 Four, of these guys. Yeah, right, right. For, 40 an acre, right. It's, which an is acre. an old slavery comment. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, Jim... First of all, there's a couple of questions. First of all, are, you're kind of an erudite um, racist to actually make that kind of. That's, that's, a, that's, that's a reference from two centuries ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's but, a, that's really reaching back. Correct. You know, correct. You, you're, you know, you're you're somebody to make that kind of a, a of an intelligent racist comment. You, you idiot. You're, you're yeah. seeing a lot of the uh, Jack Morris, uh, who and, and by the way. I don't think these guys should be fired. Just like I don't think uh, in the NFL, it came out this week that John Gruden sent a pretty racist email in 2011. And, and yeah. I think you're going to see more and more of this. Like you and I have talked that if, if you and I were had social media in the eighties and nineties, we'd be hung by some of the, our comments. And so I don't think these guys should be fired, but I do think it, 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 it begs the question, are there younger guys that could do these jobs better? I'll just throw that out there. Well, I, I I think it's important when you talk about broadcasters that we bring in guys from the old days, that we bring in 
older players who are dynamic personalities, but also have an intellect and an understanding of what's happening, not only in baseball in the modern day, but in modern times, you know, and there are guys out there like that, right? You know, there are guys out there who are like that, but then there's also guys like Cot. And, and more and Morris too. And they're, Morris. Not, they're not particularly good broadcasters, by the way. They don't stick out. If you played either one of their voices in isolation, you'd be like, eh, so what? It's not Finn Scully. You know Cat I mean? was okay. I think Cat was okay as a broadcaster. And, just okay. you know, he's a smart guy. Morris is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just telling you. It, and it's just, I think you're going to see, because uh, what started this was what's his name? The guy that got fired for the Reds all these years, um, Marty uh, or, or Tom, Tom Brennerman. Tom, Tom Brennerman. Brennerman. Tom yeah. Brennerman. It's like he lost his job over his comment. Is it any worse than these? I don't think it is, to be honest with you. I don't. And, and so it's just, there's just a scale. I, I think moving forward, the penalty is going to be you got to, you got to watch this video online for three hours and take this test about sensitivity and, you know, all that kind of stuff, slap you on the hand and then don't do that again until the next time you do. You can't, yeah, you, you can't continue like this. I don't know. There, there, there will have to be a little in house, but it is, he does work for Fox. I don't know yeah. if that. Well, but, you know, <laughs> that's all you had to say. Yeah, I mean, maybe you know. they maybe they re up this contract. I yeah. don't know. It's an echo but, chamber uh, over there. So now, have you been? Did you go to the the cell this year, or not the cell, but the guaranteed rate field? This guaranteed year? third rate field? No, I have not. Um, but I've been to that park many times. I went in the old days when they had that. The outfield was in that uh, was graded differently. You needed a Sherpa to get up there in that third that's section. Right. That's right. But, oh, um, the upper deck, yeah, you did. You know, the one I'm, I'm just going to kind of make a, a general statement. It's it's pretty uh, much known throughout baseball that. Um, there's great food at that stadium. This the stadium has some pluses. It, it has its charms. If you yeah. want to have a party with a group, a business group, that's a great place to go. It's almost like a minor league stadium, the way that you get treated there. Well, as it turns out, um, this one uh, writer for the Tribune, freelance writer for the Tribune, has been going to the bleachers all year, and he's been kind of chronicling it. And my take on this article is that it reminded me of the, of the bleacher uh, bums of the 1970s and 80s, like, apparently, there's quite a bit of uh, the, if, in other words, it's the place to be. If you want to, it really is. Like, it really I is. will never sit in a, I'm, I'm too much of a snob. I just, I'm not going to watch a game from a bleacher. I'm too old for it. But it made me think, like, oh, you know what? I could just go sit and, and, and just take this all in. I have to experience a, Americana like this because you, you just, you see uh, doctors all the way to delivery men. You know, whenever yeah, you have a yeah. mixture of those kind of people, it typically have great conversations. Well, and, and Chicago is such a great city for that kind of thing. And, and, and out there in the bleachers, you got Mexican guys, you got black guys, you got white guys, you got, you know what I mean? And they're all Sox fans. And, and we're talking about these are the cheapest seats in Chicago for yeah. any sport, for any of the big sports. And they had a deal going where it was $25 a ticket and you got two beers. Right. Come on. I you know, know. it's going to draw people who are going to be rowdy and raucous. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it, it, it's really turning into quite the scene. And, uh, and it has, you know, because the bleachers in Wrigley Field today, it is, you have to pay top dollar to get those seats. And it's all about taking your shirt off and showing off your body and stuff yeah. like that. And it's just, it, it's just not the way it was, you know? And so. No, no. And, and the, the, this one woman um, uh, who was, who was a, 
goes there all the time, a middle-aged woman. And the, and the guy asked her, this writer said, why, why are you here? And she's like, I just remember when in the old days, it reminds me of my dad cupping his hands over my ears when the guys would start saying bad words in this section. And my father would sit no other place, even though it, it had warts and all those things. This is where the re real people watch the baseball game. And I'm attracted to that, quite honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it's fun. It's fun for everybody. I think it's good that it has a reputation like that. The park is a good place, especially, as you said, for like business meetings and outings. But it's also good for families. Big time. Big it's time. really good for family because if you get a ticket on the lower deck, you can walk all the way around, man. It's great. It's a great place to just hang out. With it's great family. for everybody. They've got a great and I'm being serious. They have a great thing for handicapped people. It's a very yeah. progressive park. Yeah. It is. It is. And, and they were able to build it and sort of mold it as the as baseball evolved, you know, ever, ever since 1990, when they it just looked like a facility for yeah. baseball. But little by little, they've put homier touches on it. And I think that's good. Hey, one other thing before we get into the uh, popcorn, I wanted to mention, did you see that video of the White Sox fan in Houston getting punched in, in, in the bleachers there? Yeah, 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 I did. Wow. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Now, I don't know. You know, I wasn't there. No, you know, right. But but if you see the video, um, he's coming out of he's he's sort of being escorted out of the bleachers in left field down the right field line. Right, right. And uh, I he was probably hooting and hollering most of the game. That's my guess. He yeah, was probably right. being really obnoxious. So the Astros fans were giving it right back to him. And as he's walking up the aisle, somebody behind him throws a beer on him, and he turns around and grabs that guy. And then somebody else comes from out of nowhere and he got the full windup and hit yeah. him with a hundred percent of his force. That was brutal. I thought. Yeah. Well, again, don't mess with Texas. No, yeah. no <laughs> don't mess with Texas. That's right. No, that was one of the worst. I mean, and the fact that it was caught on video, I mean, but, but this guy must've really been obnoxious. That's my I, sense. I, I would hope that there's some justice going on here, but all I can tell you is, I used to go to old Comiskey uh, with tiger gear on, and I know exactly how I was treated by those people there. So, you know, not that yeah, this is comeuppance, yeah. but it's like, that's the, rules of the, that's the rules of the game. If you're yeah. going to stick out and, you know, where the opponent, especially if it's a hated rival, this is kind of at this point, a hated rivalry between these teams. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of history here. Um, so um that doesn't was, surprise uh, me i don't know what to say it's just yeah. it's part of life it's sad you wish it didn't happen but it does but all the houston tv stations are wringing their hands oh this isn't this isn't who we are right. we we astro fans we expect better we should behave better that's what we, hey, we didn't kill them yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right all right with that line we have exhausted our supply of peanuts we are all of us as God made us, and many of us much worse. Tom Jones was much, much, much worse. The whole world loves Tom Jones. Romance. It's a good night to be abroad and looking for game. Ah, <laughs> Tom. Ah, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, madam. I regret I must take my leave. Wide, wonderful, wicked world loves Tom Jones.
picking up the bag of popcorn and you chose the movie this week. Yeah. Um, and it's called Tom Jones. What is this? 1963? Yeah, 1963. Made in England, based on the novel uh, by, I forget the name of the author. Fielding. Fielding, yes. Name is Fielding. Fielding. Uh, you know, uh, and, and basically this is a sex comedy. Yeah. But it's the sex comedy that's made in 1963. So right. there's a lot of like cutting away and giggling and looks and right. doors slamming and things like that. But I just thought that this was, you know, initially when this started out, I'm like, this is awful. You're right. This is right. terrible. But once the plot starts to set up and you realize what the movie is really about. Right. I enjoyed the hell out of it. And, and at the center of it all is the great Albert Finney in his first role. And, yeah. and, and what really blows me away is how beautiful and how good looking and how charming the young Albert Finney is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about one of the lasses in the film. One of oh, the we'll get to that. We'll <laughs> get to the lasses in just a minute. But that's really the, the, that's really, I think the focus of the movie is that here is this Englishman. Okay. Who they think is a bastard who yeah. grew up without a father and was adopted by, by Lord Willoughby. And his mother was a whore. His mother was a whore, exactly. <laughs> and he's brought up as a gentleman, but he has no honor as far as society is concerned. But everybody really, really likes him because, number one, he's good looking and he's a lot of fun to hang around with and drink yeah. with. And, you know, yeah. but, uh, but, but, but then, you know, he's cast out. He does some things that are just unforgivable and he has enemies, people who are competing with him for inheritances, you know, and uh, one of them is played by David Warner, who played villains all throughout his career. Yeah, yeah. You know, really great. Characters. This was his first film role. Wow. Well, I mean, he is a, just a really good, slimy, smarmy little villain. Yes. You know, and Un uh, he's unctuous. Unctuous. Exactly. And and so we 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 see he gets his you know, he gets what's coming to him in the end. But the fact is, is that because Tom Jones is so beautiful, women, beautiful women in England at that time are drawn to him. They all want to be with him. You know, there's the lovely Sophie Western, who's the, the sort of belle du jour. She's the virtuous, beautiful, blonde, young woman yeah. who is the one that everybody kind of feels that that's who Tom really should be with because they're both so blonde and so pretty that they'll produce the best looking children. But right. the problem is, is there's a lot of MILFs out there yeah. who are also trying to get Tom. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, so there's, uh, I have to say that um, as we're going through this process in our podcast of covering off on the great films, I'm going back and revisiting films that I've seen in the past. The swimmer was a, a perfect example of I'd seen it back in the seventies. I saw it in the nineties. I think now we saw, saw it again just recently. Same thing with Tom Jones. My memory of Tom Jones was better than my experience of just watching it. I thought this film, uh, it was slightly dated. Um, yeah, and, and, and Richardson who at the time, some of these cutaway shots that they did and the ripping, which by the way, you can do in Photoshop now, it, yeah. it just, it, it looks kind of cheesy and, and, and pretentious. That being said, it's like, you know, once this ball starts rolling of a plot, it's a charming little story. Yeah, it, and, becomes, and it becomes delightful. It is it a best picture? I'm not so sure about that, but I, yeah. but I think it's, it's a, it, it's a great little, um, uh, film if nothing else to show you about the great 
Albert Finney, who sadly we lost in 2019, who had a remarkable career. Next year, we're going to do one of his best films. I'm not going to tell you about it yet, but we're going to do it next year. Um, you know, you posed the question about who was the most fetching of these uh, ladies and their, and their, it, it, well, let's let me. I'll go down the list. We yeah. got to go down the list. There's right. Sophie Western. Yeah. There's the slutty Maddie. You know. Uh, there's Mrs. Susan. There's you Lady. Mean, you Bella. mean Mo you mean Molly, not Maddie. Molly, sorry, yeah, Molly. Yeah. That's right, Molly. The slutty Molly. There's Mrs. Susan. Lady right. Belliston. Mrs. Susan, played by Vanessa Redgrave, by the right, way. Right. Right. Correct. Lady Belliston, and then and finally Mrs. Fitzpatrick, who's the only one who doesn't really get to enjoy Tom's charms. But right. uh, who, who of those of that group, who would you rather, you know, spend a night with? Without there's to me, it's a slam dunk. It's uh, Diane Salento, who played Molly Seagram, nominated for Best Supporting Actress, by the way. In um, this movie? Yeah, she, 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 yeah wow. she was nominated for an Oscar. Um, She's good. She's really good. But for yeah. me, it's Vanessa Redgrave. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, no, it's just, again, it, you know, different uh Different but she's trying different. to keep her blouse on, and you yeah, oh yeah, oh, oh, hey, hey, that, hey, hey, Susanna York is, is fetching as well. It's, Susanna you know, York, brother, but, sister of David York, you know exactly. I mean, and um, even even Lady Belliston, when she takes her gray wig off with that red <laughs> hair with the white streak in it, yeah, she looks great too. Yeah, well, yeah, it looks like she might have been related to Polly Walnuts. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then, but but the movie, I mean, on the whole. The movie has is too long in some instances. There's yes. a lot of things they could have cut. You know, like the the scene where where he and Vanessa Redgrave are eating the chicken and the oysters, and it's all very sensual. That yeah. went on for about twenty minutes. Okay, you know? so that that glad you brought that scene up. That took three hours to film that scene, and they were sick, full sick for like two days after that. Both of them. That's hilarious. And and, and that's and that, by the way, when people talk about Tom Jones, that's the scene that they talk about. That's the memorable right, um, right, uh, right. thing, even though I so the real Tom Jones, uh, the singer, I should say, he's not that's not his name, by the way. He took his name from this novel. In from the this movie. novel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The, the Tom Jones, because he thought that character was who he aspired to be. And now if you think about the singer Tom Jones, it's kind of interesting because it's parallel to the character in the, in this film. And, um, you know, I, I, I struggle to think that they could ever make a movie like this today. Um, but maybe because they, they did make a little, they made little women a couple of years ago. And that was, uh, even though it wasn't really a comedy, it was a period piece like that. And I think you could, it's almost like you need that ensemble cast. You need, you know, uh, you need, uh, what's, uh, who's that great actor? Um, uh, which, what was that guy's name? Was it George Devine who played Squire? Yeah, that guy, you just and apparently he was like Robert Shaw drunk throughout the whole movie. A couple of times they had to go down to get to, uh, for shooting. They had to go to the saloon and pull him out. Uh, so it, it's just like it, it's a time and play. Also, this is the last film that JFK saw before he died uh, a couple. Was it really? Yeah, I know. A little piece of really? trivia. Correct. That is interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, what's really funny is, is though, because there actually have been like miniseries, BBC miniseries, where they've redone it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably better, more modern, more updated versions that you can see. But uh, what, what I found hilarious is that this takes place basically in England in sort of the mid to late 1700s, you know. Yeah. And all I can think of is no wonder they lost the Revolutionary War. <laughs> because, right. You know, right. when you think about these soldiers and stuff like that, it, it just, you know, how 
how just badly behaved everybody was. I mean, yeah. it was a really uh, crazy place to be. And they had very poor teeth. They had poor teeth. They, that's like which, which, which leads to bad. infection, which leads to madness. I mean, there's all kinds of <laughs> downsides to that. <laughs> but, uh, but it was a wonderful movie. And uh, I wanted to also point out, there was one guy, I don't know if you noticed this one actor, he, he, he had the big, big Flackham, played by the P- Peter Bull, who's yeah. the parson. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Love him. He was he was the uh, German you uh German ship captain in the African Queen, and he's the guy who says the line, I now pronounce you man and wife. Proceed yeah. with the execution. Right, right, right. <laughs> he was in a, that guy's he, that guy was in a lot of uh, great films. He's kind of like the Tim Carey of Brit of Great Britain. But it was it it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I'm glad I'm glad you selected that. I I yeah. I I started out not liking it, but then I sort of figured it out. You know what I mean? I mean, how many films do you know that has a mini silent film to open the film? Yeah. A lot, a lot of moviegoers, when this first came out, said, what the hell is this going to be a silent picture? Um, and then, you know, it kind of, I think Richardson discovered some new special effects tools and he wanted to use them all in this movie because you were it was like helicopter it, shots. It, it, and it stuff. was distracting. Yeah. And, and, and some critics, and rightly so, think that this subject could be like the Queen's Gamut or a Queen. They yeah. could do okay. like a, a, a multi-episode um, where you really flesh these characters out and um, cut out with all the special effects and just go for the story itself because it is a classic story. All the raucous scenes about the fox hunts and the deer hunts. You know oh, yeah. I mean? All oh, that yeah. stuff oh, was yeah. just so unnecessary. But they put it in because they had they had to up. they had to rub like the deer with real beef to get the dogs to to go at them. There's like those scenes alone. They tried to get uh, neighboring um, uh, hunters to join them in the shoot, and every one of them turned their back on them and said, wow. "We will not have nothing to do with this this filming of this." Well, you know, can you honestly say, could this movie actually say no animals were harmed in the filming? No, of this? no. my wife said that horse hurt himself she's at one point a horse does something unnatural and i said around 1979 as i recall they put in a law that you could not kill horses in the old days john ford killed many horses many horses you can't do that anymore these animals and rightly so are protected and plus with computer graphics uh you know uh you can basically recreate anything so you don't need to have horses suffer. So, yeah, they're, they're, it just, I, I, I thought this film was a four-star film. I'm going to downgrade it to three and a half stars because well, it's just, yeah, it just, it, it just was dated in this last viewing. And again, I've seen it many times over my life and I'll see it again, probably. I just, it just was a little dated, kind of like you. I wasn't going to turn it off because I, I know the payoff is great, but but it just is a little distracting what Richardson was doing as a young director. I know his intentions were good. Right. I mean, they, and, and, and I think if you haven't seen it, you should see it. it, it it's an important movie because to see Finney as a young man, to see how beautiful and how charming he was and what a great, because this really launched his career. It did. You know? And what was interesting about Finney is that he doesn't, you know, he, he, he did this and then, all of a sudden he just did plays and plays after play in London and New York and things like that. And he got some movies yeah. and he did some big, important movies. You know, he right. was in Aaron Brockovich and he was here and there, 
but he didn't care about being a movie star. He no, wanted no, to he act. You know, he wanted to act and he wanted to act on the stage. And I think he, that that's admirable. He, he you know? Like I said, we'll cover off on one of his films next year. But uh, <clears throat> he was in a couple of, of my favorite films. And, I, and you're right. As he got older, he became even more of a nuanced actor um, that uh, um, sadly he's no longer with us. But because he was he was immediately when you when you see this guy for the first time and think about the world in 1963, seeing him for the first time are like, who's that? You Who is that? Not, you can't take wow. your eyes off of him as the being the main. That's when you know you have a movie star on your hands. And right. I don't think as while all of those women were and various le levels attractive and fetching and all that, but none of them were like movie stars to me. I, I could see a million different women playing that role, but I'm not so sure many other actors could could do what Albert Finney did. There, there's some, but 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 he was, you know, like I think Peter O'Toole probably could have played that part yeah, too. Yeah, uh, yeah, but so. but not all actors, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And uh, so, um, well, you know, I, I I have a movie for next week. Do you uh, would you like to hear it? I would. I, I yes. All right. So now we've already done one Ken Loach movie, uh, Land and Freedom, about the Spanish Civil War. Yeah. We're going to go to another one, and this one is called Bread and Roses, and oh, yeah. about uh, the janitor strikes in Los Angeles. It is a great movie. It has some stars in it, yeah. and it has some amazing performances. I think you're going to like it. That was a good, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of this film. I have never seen it, and I look forward to watching it. All right, so until then, we are the two peeps in the podcast. I'll bang the drums slowly and play the fight lowly. Play the dead march as they carry me along Put bunches of roses All over my coffee Roses to deaden the clouds as they fall 